My name is Michael Driver. I'm a UK-based comedian and I love music. So I've asked some friends of mine to tell us about their favourite tracks and make us a mixtape. This is Mixtapes with Mike. Okay, so before we get into this week's podcast, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you to everyone who's listened so far. I've had some really great feedback from all over the world, which is crazy. So if you're enjoying this, please take a second to leave a positive review on iTunes because every time that happens, it helps me reach more people. But if you're not on Apple, don't worry. If there's not an option to leave a review on whatever platform you're using, the next best thing you can do is share the link to the podcast with three friends who you think would enjoy it. If you'd like to feature in an episode, the best place to contact me is on Instagram at, at Mixtapes with Mike. Just send me a message, or if you just want to let me know that you're enjoying the show and where you're listening, I'd love to hear that too. Now, this week's podcast is actually one of the original episodes from when I first launched Mixtapes back in 2017. Now, this was the moment when everything came together and I realised how I wanted the podcast to sound. And every episode I've put out since has been based on what you're about to hear. So, I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a friend to tell us about their 10 favourite songs. Uh, We talk about them, you guys get to listen to the conversation and if you like what you hear, you can go and find the mixtape at the funnyinthemiddle.com website. Um, This week's guest is a a friend of mine, a skateboarder, spoken word artist and published poet, Matt Lloyd. Hey, how you doing? Hello. Hi. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It's it's, it's odd doing intros at the beginning of this podcast, isn't it? It's just like, it's like... My, today's distinguished guest in really you're anything but but prick <laughs> welcome up uh, today's distinguished guest is spoken with us an award-winning published poet mr matt lloyd <sighs> that's how that should have sounded but all right no, it's okay. cool no, it's no, cool no, it's no, cool no, you'd be slack with it it's no, cool no, 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 no don't worry don't worry we can redo it don't worry. we can redo it it's fine don't worry no. just because you've done edinburgh festival now you think you're a fucking bad boy <laughs> I was doing that five years ago, dickhead. <laughs> what a prick. Um, all right, so you, you know the score. This is you, your ten favourite songs. Yeah, and it was really difficult. You're not really allowed difficult. to use the same artist twice. Cool, which I kind of was a bit naughty, but yeah. Well, you, 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 know, you, you found Slipped a loophole. Let's, yeah, let's not lie. Should have set your parameters a bit more, you know. Well, that's fine. But, so... Obviously, like, we're both skateboarders. Um, it's not something I've banged on about much on this podcast yet, but um, skateboarding, for me, really opened up my world to different kinds of music. Uh, so, like, uh, you know, through skateboarding, I ended up getting into hip-hop and punk rock and all kinds of stuff as, as the, the, the landscape changed with the skate vids and stuff. What about your experience with music? Because is it... No, I mean, it's it's similar. Like, I'm a massive hip-hop head, and that has got a lot to do with my time that I came up in skateboarding in, like, the early 90s. That was the whole thing. Like, they used to write about it in Thrasher, where they'd say, 
because at the time in the 90s the sort of US skate scene was still punk and it was still that sort of you know sort of uh, punk heavy metal scene things like that whereas they would refer to the UK and say well skateboarding in the UK is really hip hop led and and skateboarding had a lot to do with it and also kind of my love of uh, of poetry and doing you know my love of poetry came from listening to hip hop and I got into hip hop because of skateboarding and then I got into poetry because of hip hop you know like it right. was kind of that thing so I'm a massive hip hop head but I mean it doesn't mean you know I like all sorts of music but definitely my love of hip hop came from being a skateboarder and that kind of opened up my world into other things okay but bef- so before skateboarding so what what music were you like before into? before I was properly into skateboarding um I'd love to tell you a lot of cool bands I was into but I really wasn't dude I listened to a lot of queen a lot of meat I mean there's nothing wrong with queen obviously a lot of meatloaf I listened to slayer I listened to the cult I was kind of gothy because, you know, I listened to, you know, like in what, 90, you know, before, you know, I was, I suppose I was into like Nirvana, Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, like everybody was. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of got into hip hop through skateboarding, but hip hop then took over. So I was always like a grunge kid, but I loved hip hop too, mm-hmm. you know, like I'd be listening to Nirvana while wearing a PE hat. Yeah. You know, and I remember going out with my my mates and they'd be like, What the hell is that? And I'd be like, dude, it's public enemy, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and yeah, so yeah, I mean definitely. I have a, I owe a lot to hip hop. Okay. So your first track is nothing like that yeah. though. I was trying to steer the conversation in a direction like so before hip hop, so you're gonna have to explain um, cool. your first track. So who's your first track by? My first track is by Bob Dylan. And I think it's quite it's quite obvious when I talk about it, but my parents were like flower power hippies. Okay. So my dad was a long term army dude, so there's not really a lot you can do when it comes to the drug and love revolution if you're in the army. Uh-huh. And they were kind of flower power types and my parents listened to a lot of Bob Dylan, Donovan, um, for those listening, not Jason Donovan. Um, you know, like sort of that sort of folky hippie kind of dude. They listen to Rolling Stones too. Mm-hmm. So I grew up listening to Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Donovan, and that sort of person. So uh, obviously, when you listen to Bob Dylan, he became more and more relevant for me when I really started to look at lyrics and uh-huh. got interested in writing myself because he is the poet, you know, he is, he is the man. So for me, yeah, my first track is, is Bob Dylan. Okay. Uh, so your first tune is? My first tune, I really wanted it to be something else. Like, I wanted it to be something cooler by Dylan, um, but my first track is The Times Are Changing. Um, and it is just one of them tunes I completely remember by, you know, my mum playing playing on vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents have all the old vinyls. And it is like, the it's unfortunately the classic Bob Dylan tune. You know, like, oh, Times Are Changing. But, you know, I wish it was The Hurricane. I wish it was subterranean homesick blues just for the video where he's dropping all the pieces of paper yeah, with the yeah. words on in the alleyway. But no, it's the time to outside raging. We'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times they are changing. Mothers and fathers throughout the land. So, moving on from Bob Dylan, our next track is quite a departure. 
Yeah. So, yeah. so who's this by? Uh, so this is by NWA, Niggas with Attitude, and honestly, this was the turning point for me as a human being listening and hearing NWA for the first time. It was kind of when you go, like I talk about being a skateboarder and about how you go from owning a skateboard to being a skateboarder, where it was almost like I went from being this kid who listened to some music to being Matt Lloyd and being obsessed with hip-hop and writing and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And honestly, I remember it, like the first time I heard NWA, I was like, fuck dude what is this and of course like when you're when you're young because like this came out in like 90 1990 so I was like 12 I was you know like first first thing you're like ooh swearing ooh swearing ooh said fuck um you know to listening to the message that they were giving you and it was just so good like it I don't know why, because obviously, uh, you know, I, I was a white kid, army family, that sort of stuff. I think it was just something different, you know. And at the time, trust me, at the time, you know, hip-hop, where certainly where I was at the time, rap music and hip-hop was not big. Like, I was the only kid in school that listened to rap music, mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, and was obsessed with it, like, like I became. Nobody else did, you know. Like, it was crazy, and I just... As a group, amazing, right? This whole, you know, the whole album that NWA dropped straight out of Compton, I mean, it started a revolution, you know, yeah. like it, it blew everything up. And it was, you know, like, it's cool to see the movie come out this year. I've not seen it yet. It's really good. I didn't see it straight away, I only watched it like it a, a couple of months ago. Is it a, a, a documentary or is it some of it like dramatised? No, no, it's all dramatised. It's right, all okay. dramatised. Um, it's all dramatised. It's really good. Um, Ice Cube's kid plays Ice Cube, which is really good. Oh, no way. Yeah, and obviously there's some like deviations from the real story because they've got to film it up yeah. but most of it's real but I mean you know I was a massive Easy fan too so when it all broke down you know it, it all kind of broke up I think after this album really it all kind of went tits and you, you hear about that in the movie but I listened to a lot of Ice Cube I listened to a lot of Easy um, and I didn't like Dr. Dre for many many years you know like I really wasn't into Dr. Dre at all because I felt that he was the guy who fuck the group up um, which is obviously you know I'm young I don't know what I'm doing but still I think I only started listening to Dre ooh you know within the last decade so does that come across in, in the movie that it, like he was a part of a problem or? no because he, he wasn't really but that was me with my fandom but him and Easy e had beef they all had beef at some point yeah yeah like Ice Cube left originally and there's a track on the second album Alpha Zagging um, or Niggas for Life if you want to read it the right way around um, a, that's called A Message to Benedict Arnold and that is A Message to Ice Cube where they're basically just cussing him um, but or, or, I mean I cannot convey how amazing it was to hear NWA straight out of Compton for the first time and how much it really blew me away and really did you know get me interested in hip, the, the wider hip hop community you know wider hip hop yeah which then got me more and more interested in writing and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, killing it, like, amazing. Just 
step up to the stand and tell the jury how you feel about this bullshit. I'm tired of the motherfucking jacking. Sweating my gang while I'm chilling in the shack and shining the light in my face. And for what? Maybe it's because I kick so much, but I kick ass. Or maybe because I blast on a stupid ass nigga when I'm playing with the trigger of an Uzi right. or an AK. So, that was NWA. Where are we going now? Um, now, so... I kind of went from that grunge kid to listening to to hip hop, and then um, that opened up like NWA opened up loads for me. Um, you know, I was getting into people like um, BDP, you know, Boogie Down Productions. Mm-hmm. I love Edutainment, that album. That whole album's amazing, um, but it wasn't really like so. I was listening to lyrics and what they were saying, but I wasn't really focused on the message as much, or really at that point started to write my mm-hmm. own raps which is how that developed into spoken word and poetry um, I, w- I heard this tune play over an advert on TV I think that's how I remember mm-hmm. it and it was it was a Gil Scott Heron tune I mean everybody's going to know what it is but Gil Scott Heron tune and it was the first tune and there's only been two where my legs like shook you know what I mean like I felt it you know, I, I was a young kid. I had no idea what Gil Scott Heron was talking about. I had no idea that, about this tune and, and what it was all about and, and why it was important, because it is an important tune. You know, I had no idea about any of that, but I just knew, I felt it in my bones that what I was listening to right now was a serious piece of art. It was a serious piece of music. It was something that needed to be listen to properly it was something that I needed to know about like it honestly just it was I, I still remember it now like it killed me the only other tune that's ever that's ever happened to again since then is Richie Havens singing Freedom at Woodstock yeah. I heard that like years and years and years ago and I remember ringing my friend in the middle of the night because it gave me exactly the same feeling like chills yeah, yeah. where you listen to me like holy shit dude I remember ringing my mate going dude what is this tune and he's like dude it's Richie Havens at Woodstock like and obviously I wasn't even alive when that was playing. Yeah. You know, and but it was honestly like I heard this tune and I went and researched Gil Scott Heron. Okay. You know, I went and I researched this tune. You know, and they he talked about loads of things. I mean this tune was written in the late seventies, you know, like you know, it was written in the seventies. Um, you know, what do I know? But you just knew hearing it that it was something special. And then of course now it really is something special. It's something that's being sampled by common, um, it's been sampled by um, Queen Latifah I mean there's been lights, but it, we Schoolie D also sampled it and I was a big Schoolie D fan later on um, you know like it is probably one of the quintessential tunes that helped develop hip hop and you know it's by the man referred to as a godfather of rap because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day the revolution will not be televised there will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after that was Gil Scott about Heron. Never, never heard it. I've never heard that before. You're supposed to be a hip hop head. No, 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 no. Like, like, let me clarify. Like, I do like hip hop, but I've, I've, I've been pretty upfront in p- 
previous episodes of this as well that I've kind of dabbled and I've taken the bits that I like and if I'd not been shown it before uh, then I, I haven't consumed it but that's one of the best things about doing this podcast has been like I'm already getting shown stuff that I was maybe not aware of yeah. and like I'm listening to the mixtapes as they're given to me and I'm going ah oh, I really like these guys and I'm delving in and I'm getting getting into these guys more and I've, I know the name Gil Scott here and I've heard some tunes but I hadn't heard that yeah. I, I completely see where you're coming from from like the old Mike would have known the, the, the effect smiling Mike would have known <sighs> You realise we're on a different podcast now, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> Hip-hop Mike would have known. <laughs> um, yeah, there's also another version of that tune on an album called 152 on Lennox or something, and it's... Oh, I think it's that version where it's it's the original version where there's a guy playing bongo drums okay. doing that beat on bongos, and he's just reading it like a poem. Okay. And it's... So, that's, so, this, so this is quite an influential thing from your poetry. Oh, yeah, it's massive, dude. Like, it's so big. And, and like I was saying, to have the opportunity to perform on the same stage that he'd performed on and to do my version of that tune where, where, was where, insane. Where was that? Jazz Cafe. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, like, he'd performed at the Jazz Cafe on numerous occasions and then I'd got a gig to perform at the Jazz Cafe um, and I did my version of that tune and just start, it's something that I will remember for my whole life and then um, I did get to see him before he died um, so I was t- you know like I mean really big like Gil's Got Hand is really big when <clears throat> the album dropped with Jamie XX um, I'm New Here just just like amazing album like he was uh, <clears throat> I think it came after he died uh, so he released one album before he died on XL Records, mm-hmm. which is the same record label as Jamie from the XX. <clears throat> and um, basically it was called... I'm trying to get my names right. I think it's called... Oh, maybe it was called I'm New Here, that album. And I was stoked. Like, that album dropped, bought, bought the um, mm-hmm. vinyl, everything. Then the remix came that was done by Jamie XX, and it was a whole album remixed by him. Yeah. Blew me away, amazing! Like there's a, there's so many tracks on there, awesome. Um, and then they did another vinyl a couple of years later that I queued up all night on record store day to buy, and I think that was called. Oh, do you know what? I can't even think right now. But either way, you know, like obsessed with this dude, like so good, so good. And yeah, he was a poet, and it's you know like you listen to him the way he sings, you know, yeah, just incredible. All right, so. Moving on from Gil Scott Heron, your next tune is by... Uh, my next tune is by Body Count, which is your loophole, because <laughs> you said you cannot pick a tune by a similar artist. Um, no, no, by the same artist. Uh, and officially this is Ice-T's heavy metal band, Body Count. Yeah. So um, I heard... Basically, I bought a copy of Ice-T's OG from an American PX near me because I lived on an army camp in Germany mm-hmm. um, just simply because it looked cool like the cover looked cool um, and on in the middle of the album if you've ever heard OG there is he introduces his band Body Count which mm-hmm. is a heavy metal band um, front uh, and basically it's him the, the guitarist Ernie C now to give you a bit of background Ernie C was the guy who 
he did. He was the guy who did demo tapes for people like Rage Against the Machine. Right. Like he put that together. Okay. I mean, obviously, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Jesus, like, yeah. dude, massive. Um, so I still had this this band, and when he did, like, when he was then like center stage of Reading Festival and stuff like that, he would do half a set of Ice T and half a set of Body Count, and I remember hearing Body Count, and it was rad because obviously my background, as we mentioned previously, was was like a grungy heavy yeah, metal yeah. kid um, so then when I heard this tune they then dropped an album I think either a year or two later and the album officially was originally called Cop Killer right? and it had a tune on the end of it called Cop Killer which caused absolute fucking furore across the globe Right. Um, it was the same year as the Rodney King riots um, and if the President of the United States is on live TV quoting lyrics from a, from a song telling you how bad it is, you know you're in deep shit. And that's exactly what happened with the song Cop Killer. Um, it's, you know, it was massive. The, the record label pulled it. They changed the name of the album. Originally, the cover had a picture of a dude with Cop Killer across his chest. Um, and then they pulled that, re-released it as Body Count, Body Count with just Body Count on his chest took the song like it was horrific and I always remember this story Ice-T tells um, about it and he goes I remember being called into Warner Brothers and the guy sits him down at a massive table and he goes Warner Brothers is a huge animal you've got to understand this and he goes yeah and he goes this is how big you you know basically he goes like he says something like this is how big the music part of it is like you are in this whole big machine and he puts like a little coin on the table and he goes and right now, you're causing all of the table problems. Right. You know, and that was, yeah, like, it was in serious shit. Like, it caused so much of a night. People blamed it on the riots. It was crazy. But the tune's amazing, um, you know. And as you and I have discovered, they took it off iTunes. It's not even on iTunes. Yeah. You, you can find it, and it is out there, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, dude, it was just... Yeah, the whole album was amazing. I remember getting it confiscated at school. Like, and again, it's again like I have to be honest. I'm obsessed with Ice T. You know, like if I'm honest, like he was my childhood idol. Okay, Ice T, um, and probably continues to be a bit of my idol because he's a man who's got a good hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, he started off in hip hop. Um, you know, sort of moved over into heavy metal. Did some acting because he was in the movie New Jack City. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is one of my favourite movies but only because I'm an iced tea nerd um, and then basically um, you know now as kind of a full time actor yeah he does a bit of music I mean shit Body Count released an album last year mm-hmm. and it reviewed really well yeah. like you know and they had they did a cover of Suicidal Tendencies everybody loved you know and that's crazy that you know he's got that sort of hustle you've got to respect a man's hustle if that's what he can do you know he is iced tea the actor now but not easy to cross from one genre yeah. to the other and be respected in both. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure he's got his massive amount of haters, but who gives a shit? You know, like he, he had a lot of great influence on me. You know, he's had a lot of great influence on other people, and he's done a lot of good, man. Like I saw him recently reading Langston Hughes' poetry with a live jazz band in London. You know, like uh, Langston Hughes has got a famous um, piece that he wrote. Of course, the name escapes me because now I'm talking about. It, I can't remember. And dragged me and my girlfriends went there and watched Ice T read it for like two hours with a live jazz band playing in front of a packed audience at 
in London. It was crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, it was rad. track is by Ice-T surprised yeah so I mean yeah basically this was as I said before this was um, the body count track was a tune on an album called OG right um, which I actually bought before I got the body count of stuff obviously because that's how I heard it um, I bought OG from the American PX because I lived on an army camp in Germany which I think I might have also said doubling myself up and it was just because at the time I was into hip hop and this god this makes me sound so old but um it wasn't easy to get straight straight from the states gangster rap music you know or gangster rap as I was calling it at the time hip hop but I lived on an army camp that had an American PX on it which if you've if you've ever if you've not lived on an army camp basically it's a store that is full of stuff it's imported direct from America so that the American army guys can go and buy stuff there at decent prices and it's all like you know yeah, so they yeah. feel at home that sort of stuff and it would arrive on these big American style trucks like no mess and it was rad yeah. but they always had a tape selection right by the checkouts for some reason of all the brand new hip hop um, and yeah I mean it was where I bought a copy of Boogie Down Productions Edutainment it was where I uh, bought this copy of Ice TLG it was where I bought Public Enemy tapes and I remember going in there one day and there was a this copy of Ice TLG and I'd I'd heard of Ice T because at the time I think I was watching a lot of Yo MTV raps yeah. um, which is yeah rad well, and the days when MTV actually played you know music rather than programs I know everybody says it but it's fucking true um, and I bought this copy of Ice TLG and thus began my decades long obsession with Ice T so um, just the whole album Ice-T, I think, quotes it as his favourite album, you know, that he's ever done. It's not mine, me personally, Home Invasion, mm-hmm. I prefer. Um, but OG, just because at that point in my life, that if it needed cementing, cemented my love of hip-hop and gangster rap. Um, and I just think the whole album's amazing. And uh, there, is a, there is a tune on there which is completely a cappella. Right. Um, and I knew it word for word for years. Uh, and he mentions Nelson Mandela in it and all sorts of stuff and this was at a point when I was getting more inquisitive into what people were talking about okay. so I'd never heard of Nelson Mandela until I listened to OG oh no way you know and then I listened to OG and he mentions Nelson Mandela in this tune uh, I think he says something like Mandela did 27 hard ones not in a windowed room but in a barred one while his wife had tears in her eyes and it was like oh who's Mandela yeah. and then I'd look up Nelson Mandela you know, and and then he would mention other things like there's a tune on there that's about child abuse, and it's, you know, like it's just really good. And he was, you know, one of the guys that I really started looking into his lyrics. And I remember then, 
getting his back catalogue by swapping various things with people at school. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I swapped a copy of Rambo First Blood Part 2 for a copy of Ice-T Ryan Pace. <laughs> you know, like... You know, and then basically making my way through his back catalogue. It's amazing the currency that you had at high school. Oh, yeah. At middle school, just swapping stuff. Yeah. Like, I ended up with, like, a BMX bike... <laughs> I, like swapping a, a pair of Oakley sunglasses, like knockoff Oakley sunglasses. Like I swapped those for a fucking frame. Like when Chrome BMXs were the thing. Yeah, right? totally. Did. I ended up with the frame. I, I got the bar swapping some like for a CD of another dude, and I placed. I, I built like a two hundred quid bike out of swapping shit that I didn't want. It's absolutely nuts. I like. I don't, I don't even know if kids still do that shit. Oh I, yeah, I reckon they do, dude. Porn was always really good at my school. Porn and cigarettes were the main currency. I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> you know, as a tall dude, I could get the porn. But um, but yeah, no, it's amazing. Like I think my hip hop back catalogue was just that of either swapping old heavy metal CDs or yeah, or, or videos. You know, like VHS was pretty good back then. That was a shotgun. So moving on from Ice T, who's next? Uh, BB King. Man, like, when I got into rap music, mm-hmm. obviously it then opened up a whole world of. Because I didn't grow up around what is essentially black music. You know, I grew up listening to parents who listened to folk music. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, a bit of Bob Marley, but I mean, other than that, I didn't really know what, you know. I didn't, you know, yeah. it was like Rolling Stones, Donovan, Bob Dylan, Beatles. Like my parents were obsessed with the Beatles. My dad met the Beatles, you know, like all that sort of stuff. Um, but it was obviously in the hip hop I was listening to. I was listening to loads at the time. They would mention other artists. BB King got mentioned quite a few times. So I looked up BB King, and this tune is one of two of the best blue songs ever written. Okay. Ever written. I can listen to this tune any day of the week and it is always, always going to be banging. Like, I remember I borrowed a BB King CD off, because I was a boarding school kid, because my parents were in the army. I borrowed a BB King CD off my. There was this like dude who lived in the house called Mr. Bancroft, maybe? Um, and, or Barlow, something like that. Do we need to he point to a doll? His, pardon? Do we need to point to a doll? Yeah, probably do. <laughs> Now he he lent me this BB King CD. I still I still well I kept it for years actually. I don't have it anymore. Um, and this tune was on it, and it was the first time because I'd asked him about BB King. It was the first time I ever heard this tune. Oh, just so good. Just right from the beginning, that first drop when it comes in, and just yeah, amazing. Moving on 
from B.B. King. Who's next? Well, when I said The Thrill Is Gone as one of two of the greatest blues songs ever written... Okay. My next song is by John Lee Hooker and is the second of the two greatest blues songs, in my honest opinion, ever written. So... I was getting into hip-hop and I was getting into a wider range of tunes. Uh-huh. I was getting into blues quite heavily. Yeah. Um, really love Billy Boy Arnold, um, who's an amazing old-school blues artist. Really love B.B. King. Um, and then, obviously, you, Johnny Hooker. Like, you know, you ask most people to name two blues artists, Johnny Hooker, B.B. King. You yeah. know, they're the biggest. Um, and... Honestly, I couldn't decide between the two tunes which one is the most, but these are both, you know, The Thrill Is Gone and John Lee Hooker's One... The name of the tune, sorry, I wasn't supposed to mention it. It's fine. Um, So, yeah, but also, both of these tunes get covered by artists, and I still love them. I still love it when somebody covers it, um, because they're so moody... You know, the tunes make you feel a certain way inside that when they're covered, they still sound fucking awesome. Yeah. And some people do awesome covers. Like, there is a tune, there is a cover of this song I discovered recently, again, from, like, the 80s, I think it is, maybe, or even the late 70s, by a guy called George Thorogood and the Destroyers, who I'd never heard of, who is a white dude who played blues, like, blues rock. And he does a cover of this... And it may be the greatest cover of it I've ever heard. I may even like it slightly more than I like John Lee Hooker's version. No way. Maybe. But the thing about what I like about George Thorogood's version is he tells his whole story before he even starts. So he's playing the guitar and it's like he's already in a song and he's telling you a story. And then the story finishes and then he starts playing more bourbon, more scotch, one beer. So I goes to the landlady. I said, let me slide. And it is incredible. Like, it's so I, I've, good. I've heard this song recently, and I can't think where or why. Oh, dude, it, it must have been used by a million people. I don't know if it's been used in a film. Oh, yeah. or it's like, super famous, super like, famous. I, like, I, but, like, it's one of those things, like, it, when, when I saw it on the list, like, I was like, I've heard this recently. Where, where, and why? Have I, where was it? And it, it, it's just niggling in the back of my head. But you know, what a tune! Uh, it so is incredible. And also, if you really, really, really wanted to get fucked up, you could play like Johnny Hooker Pinger. And every time he mentions a drink, you've got to do it. <laughs> yeah, that would work. That would do know. it. And you would be um fucking mess after this especially if you were to I don't know maybe stumble across a really long extended version where he's really into it dude call yourself an ambulance <laughs> so this is Johnny Hooker's One Bourbon Not One Scotch One Bill so what do you want Johnny One Bourbon One Scotch And One Bill well, my baby, she gone, she been gone tonight. I ain't seen my baby since night of full day. I wanna get drunk, get her off of my mind. One bourbon, one scotch, one bill. So that's John Lee Hooker. Amazing, uh, the amazing John Lee Hooker. Okay, uh, our next song is by Saul Williams. Um, Saul Williams is 
kind of the official poet laureate of hip hop. Okay. Um, and I became obsessed with him about 10, 10 or so years ago. I'd never really heard Saul Williams, but I'd heard him mentioned, I'd just never listened to him or got into him. And there was a show on TV called Deaf Poetry Jam, and it's exactly the same as Deaf Comedy Jam, mm-hmm. except with spoken word artists, and it was definitely like 10 plus years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And I had every DVD. I actually think I got into it late, and I just found that it, it yeah. existed, and I bought all the DVDs, and they were amazing. Um, even had Kanye West on it when he was early, like before he was like douchebag Kanye. Just saying, he what? If he listens to this, fuck you, Kanye. Um, I'm good at that. Um, and Sol Williams is on it, um, and he is just—he is a poet. Like I've seen him live a cappella, and honestly, it's the best thing I've ever seen live. In fact, I remember talk about leg shaking. I remember walking out of that Sol Williams and looking at my friend and being like, "Holy shit." That's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I was, you know, like, almost shaking. It was that good. Like, he was so good. And um, he's worked with people like Jack Delarocco. He's worked with um, crazy DJs. And he's just intelligent. He's just articulate. The way he writes is incredible. I've got a number of his books at home um, that I read on a regular basis. And he kind of writes not... Well, I suppose he kind of writes like I wish I could write in the sense of the stuff he puts together is incredible but that's not how I write I, I kind of tell stories and stuff you know whereas he stops talking about amethyst rocks and weird shit like that and I'm like oh my god what's he talking about um, he was also in a movie called Slam which there's this prison scene where there's a fight about to kick off and he drops his piece honestly Sol Williams is amazing like you, if you've not listened to him you really should okay so Alright, so this is? Uh, this is List of Demands. choice is uh, it was super hard to put this list together when you originally said 10 tunes yeah. I was like oh man I'm never going to do that it's going to be so difficult and then when I tried to narrow it down to 10 tunes it was, it was too hard like I thought I'd be like 5 tunes I'd be right but 10 even 10 I was like there's hundreds of tunes that have been massively influential um this tune is by... I mean, it's also great to finish off mine with UK artists. Um, this is by a guy I've met a few times. I absolutely love his stuff. Um, and his name is Ghost Poet, which has nothing to do with why I like him, the fact that he's got a poet in his name. But it does help. It does help. <laughs> and I heard this tune in 2010 um, before he dropped his album. Uh, and the version that I've given you is... I, st- I love the album version, but this is the one that I heard and I was like, whoever this guy is, I need to know more. I need to go and see him. You know, I've got some of the early, early vinyls he put out and um, he is not a rapper nor a singer and he will tell you that himself. He almost slurs his words into the mic um, and he is very poetic, which is one of the main reasons why I do... 
I, I do love him. But he's also another guy who's like a hustler. Uh-huh. You know, I saw him, I've seen him at um, big venues, I've seen him in little venues. Um, you know, I've seen him turn up to Leicester Student Union and do a gig up there, you know, where you... He, he really was a dude who turned up in a van with a lot of people in the back of it. You know, and he is a major artist that's signed to a major label, but he's out there hustling. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see that when you follow him on Instagram, when you when you communicate with him over Twitter and things like that. Uh, and this version of the tune um, was part what I heard on Giles Peterson's show. Okay. Um, and just, yeah, absolutely blew me away. Life is too short to store up grudges. Life is too long to make no plans I'm counting up time that I ain't using One, one, two, two, three, three, four I need a good use for all these lines I definitely need to listen to more Ghost Poet Oh, dude, he's so good. Like, his latest album is very different to his first album, but still feels like Ghost Poet. And there's, I think it's called MSI, and basically the chorus is something like, Dim summer noodles make you feel right. It's amazing. Like, the tune's so good. Like, it's my favourite song on the album. But worth buying vinyl. You're a vinyl head, Oh, aren't yeah, you? yeah. Because you get a free download code of it, and if you've got Apple Music, you can listen to it anyway. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So, moving on from Ghost Poet. Your final choice is? Uh, my final choice is by a gentleman that I used to do many, many gigs with back in the day. Um, or at least we used to cross paths a lot doing gigs. Um, Scroobius Pip. Um, and this is from the Dan the Sack vs. Scroobius Pip album that he put out. I bumped into Scroobius years and years and years ago on the spoken word scene. Um, and he was just a nice dude, you know, like you could see he was rad. I think he originally gave me some like a cool quote for my website um, as well, like and things like that. And it was just one of the things I've got one of his early CDs at home as well, like a white, you know, like when you get it done yourself. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You hand them out. Um, and he was just a good dude. And you could see that he was going to go somewhere. The stuff he was doing with Dan Lassac and the videos they put out. Um, what's that one everybody knows? Like, um, I can't remember. Oh, just the, a band yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 so you know everybody knows that but this tune I wish I'd write okay. <laughs> this tune is it seems weird to say it out loud but uh, because the thing is like yeah Scrooby's Pits moved on and done his stuff so I don't need to kiss his ass he's massive um, you know but this is one of the finest tunes written in the last 10 years like I just think that it, it is mega underappreciated yeah. for how good this tune is. For me, I listen to this tune and there is nothing wrong with this tune. Everything everything about it is right. And I think maybe it's because of my love of lyrics, you know, and I think this is just a poem to music and the way and, and what this, what he's presenting to you. The, all the lyrics mean something. All the lyrics, you know, it's written as a letter from God to man, and it is perfect. You know, I, it's beautiful. I remember hearing this. Zane Lowe was a big advocate of Daniel Satin's Groovious Pip when, when those tunes came out. Yeah. Um, and 
but I think the first time I heard this tune was uh, when Colin Murray had a late night show. It was after he'd done the daytime sort of duo with Edith Bowman, yeah. and he had this thing, um, and it was like the Black Hole Radio one, and he played like new alternative stuff and alternative classics, and then he would play, have this bit in the middle where he, they would just pull in stuff that people would submitted from the internet. And it was just this really crazy sort of audio sort of journey he would always go on. And I remember him playing this and it stopped me in my tracks. Like, because every word he says is true. Yeah, totally. And that beat that Dan the Sax pulled for it is amazing. Like, it's just the way that it comes in. And, and it builds like, yeah. and it's... You know, I know that dude a lot of money. The most I've ever been paid for 15 minutes work was because of Scrooby's bit. I did Best of All one year and he got me on the bill. Amazing. And I did 15 minutes and um, it was the most I've ever been paid for 15 minutes. Yeah. I can't remember what it, I think it was. Actually, let's not discuss that. But it was... It was... Uh, it, it was a few hundred pounds, um, <laughs> which I was fucking stoked with. Because yeah. you're like, oh, holy shit. And I remember on my rider, I put... Uh, took it to me and my friends... Um, and yeah, me and my mate spent the weekend at Wrestle and it was sick. Like it was, it was rad. I just remember performing and then just being um, <laughs> forever. But yeah, yeah. But it was it, it was rad. But this tune, um, it was it's weird actually because I because remember he released the book too. Yeah. So he released his book and in his book part of what's been animated is by my friend who did my video. Oh, and the reason why is because obviously Scrooby saw my video and was like dude that's it can you put me in touch with that bloke yeah. and that's how that all that sort of stuff came around but honestly this is perfect it's just a perfect tune I really wish I'd wrote cool man thanks for coming on thank you very much sir. that's it cheers Mike. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm... Let, let me just get the 20 half-naked bitches in the back of my car to sh- shut up. Shut up. <laughs> How can I help you this morning? <laughs> uh, I'm recording the outro for your episode, so I thought I'd give the opportunity to tell the listeners about your podcast as you're on the same network. So what is Skateboarder And all about? Um, Skateboarder And is a podcast that is it's almost like the podcast you'd want a mum to listen to who hates the idea of skateboarding because she thinks it's full of people that do drugs and uh, hang around skate parks. <laughs> Which actually, now I think about it, it's part of skateboarding. No, I'm joking. Um, now, the podcast is I talk to skateboarders who are skateboarders and something else. So I've spoken to skateboarders whose passion for skateboarding has uh, got into their passion for photography for uh, video, making videos for, but I mean, right down to people like yourself who are stand-up comedians, people like Barry Kay who are furniture makers, um, you know, and I've spoken to people such as street skating legend Josh Callis, um, who also runs a website called, oh God, I can't remember what it is, but basically it's like hella clips, but for people that are into cars. Um, my most recent episode is with uh, 
basically skateboarding photography legend Mike uh, Blayback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got an upcoming episode with Chris Banner. Um, and then after that, I've got an episode um, with a skateboarder and a musician. So I'm probably selling it really bad because I'm currently driving my car right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like a monthly dose of skateboarding culture, creativity and goodness, I suppose, which kind of sounds cheesy when I say it now, but it's just, it's, it's my little attempt to add something to the cultural bubble of skateboarding, which I've lived in and continue to live in, um, you know, for about the past 30 years. So, yeah, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. You know. So, that concludes this week's episode. We've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. <laughs>